All righty then. Uh, welcome everybody to Restored to Life Church. <clears throat> Pastor David here in Corpus Christi, Texas. So wherever you're watching from, welcome, welcome, welcome. We just say, so if you come here, all right, you can expect the word of God to be preached. I endeavor to preach the truth and that's it. As is, the word of God means what it means and says what it says and that's why I endeavor to do. So, if you ever, <clears throat> as you watch, and whether you watch, whether you uh, hear in person, you can expect the same no matter what. I'm, and I'm not a hypocrite, the same man to see behind the pulpit. And oftentimes, what I preach and teach is uh, preaching to the choir. So, <clears throat> lessons, things I go through, and that's all I endeavor to do. So, restore to life, church. Okay, so real quick, don't forget about the podcast, all right, Restoring Your Voice, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, 4.30 p.m. Central. Um, got some wonderful interviews. I do these things to supplement, uh, give you stuff, you know, between Sundays and such, and help and equip you. Don't forget to check out the website, davidcmaguire.org, davidcmaguire.org, O-R-G. All right, lots of great content on there. One place, put out blogs, put out newsletters, sign up to receive uh, the newsletter. Uh, you'll know when new content gets published. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. All right. So today we continue preaching through the book of Ephesians. Like I said at the beginning, when I start preaching through this, we're going to go through this very, very slowly. However long it takes, however long the Lord wants me to do that is how long it's going to take. I know we've been going bit by bit, around uh, about two verses uh, every time so far, and that's okay, but that's what we're going to do. Um, and today we're going to be in uh, the first chapter of Ephesians, and we're going to, uh, the main text is going to be verses 7 and 8. And um, this is going to be a great topic today. It's going to be called the riches of redemption, right? We're going to be focusing today on eternal riches right riches that will far outlast anything in this world riches think about it the bible says that one day right we're going to get a new heavens and a new earth so when we think new heavens right it's not literally a new heaven the heavens the stars the planets the whole entire universe so everything is going to pass away right the bible makes that point right so so for all those climate change people worried about that, don't worry about it. God's got the climate under control. And one day, yes, everything is going to burn up anyways. Don't worry about it. But that what I'm talking about is eternal, right? Because everything, everything we see, houses, gold, silver, movie stars, I don't know, you name it. You know, the, the most precious of the precious is going to pass away one day. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen then when that happens? question you have to ask yourself the question i have to ask myself is what are we focused on i don't now let me just say this sermon is not going to be about riches are bad money is bad being rich is bad it's evil or something because it's not it's not but we'll, we'll get to those points I want, I want as you listen today as you watch today i want i want you to be questioning yourself what i don't want anybody to do is keep thinking about somebody else Right? How bad somebody else is, how bad somebody needs to get right with God or something. All right. 
Let's, let's have a heart posture of humility. Let's, let's apply this to ourselves today. What, what do we need to fix? What, what are we focused on that we shouldn't be focused on? What, what, what area do we think is so highly important that's actually of no importance? What, where, where do we need to reshift our focus back to? Where are we headed? Let, let's, let's keep a heart posture of humility today. So, so let's read from the text. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. And we're going to read here from Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Lord, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you that you have given all believers, through your Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, this, this wonderful riches of redemption that far surpasses anything in this world. Lord, convict us today where we need, where we have fallen so short in this area, where we need to refocus, where we need to keep our eyes on the prize of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody may be seated. So, riches. Riches, right? Maybe when you hear that term, riches, you, you think of, uh, I won't name names, but think of a, a mega church pastor, perhaps, or prosperity gospel person, in, in, you know, in their Bentleys or private jet, whatever. And you think, well, okay, mm, yeah, yeah, riches. But I hope today, when you hear the term riches today, that, that when you hear it, right, in your mind thinks about eternal riches, right? Priceless riches. Redemption is so priceless, right? We can't buy redemption. We can't purchase redemption. You know, out there on the political scene today, you know, with the debt forgiveness, for instance, right? Somehow people dare to, com to uh, commit this blasphemy of comparing what Jesus did for us to student loan forgiveness, which is utter, utter rubbish and nonsense, by the way. And so priceless because Jesus didn't pay it all for us. What he did was he took our place, and it's priceless. Let, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Somebody who, who paying for it, right, would say, uh, okay, you have to go to jail, right, until you pay off this fine. Somebody comes in and pays it, and you're out. But that's not what Jesus did. What Jesus did for us was we were we were we were on death row, right? As a, as sinners on, on on death row, as sinners on death row, yes. And um, since we were on death row as sinners. What Jesus did was, he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to get strapped to the electric chair. I, you, you, can, you can give me the lethal injection. I'm going to die in your place. Jesus died in my place. He died in your place. That's what Jesus did. It's called penal substitutionary atonement. 
That's priceless. It can't be bought. There's no other way. Jesus said there is no other way to the Father, right? He made that abundantly clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. That is one. That's the only way. Fortune, fame, friends, cars, all of that is completely meaningless to God. All of it. It has nothing and zero bearing on somebody's salvation. Right? That's why I think like that. I despise the prosperity gospel. I despise it with, with every fiber of my being. Somehow, faith is equated to, to earthly stuff. That could, that could, that's the farthest thing from the truth. That is so far outside of the Bible. So far outside of being kingdom-minded, if that's the focus. Well, you know, people full of faith aren't poor. Really? Go tell that to the majority of Christians around the world. Living for the kingdom of God, but poor and earthly, poor and earthly treasures. You're, you're going to tell them that they don't have enough faith? That they can face the greatest persecution? They can face things like literally being hunted down by their families? Having bounties put on their head by their own families? We're talking mothers being hunted down by their own sons. This is the reality. Yet you're going to try and tell a person like that they don't have enough faith. Let me tell you, faith, faith in something in this world, it just is it's not comparable at all. First point I want to get to today is that the focus is what matters, by the way. It's not the riches. It's not what we have or, or don't have. That's, that's completely meaningless because <clears throat> the focus is what matters. Worldly riches are not evil in and of themselves. It's the heart behind them. It's our heart posture toward them. It's our heart posture if we have them or if we don't have them. Listen to what <clears throat> Paul writes here to Timothy in chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, right? Those covet, jealous, right, fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, I know people say money is the root of all evil. It's not. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some longing for it have gone astray from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Right? Things of eternal value. Things that will outlast us when we pursue these things. If we pursue a love of money, we're going to leave that legacy of evil. Right? I mean, now... You could probably look out there and probably all over news. You know, you always see these rich kids, you know, kids of, 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 of highly rich parents, and yet all the money in the world, and they get into all this trouble, right? Everything at hand. You know, they ask, Dad, can I have a new car, right? The latest BMW. Boom. There's like that. Yet, yet they live these lives 
full of sorrows, as the Bible says. You know, that's why the Bible is so true, right? It is completely inerrant and infallible. There is nothing. There, are, there is zero wrong with anything in the Bible. Think about it. We, we see a play out today in society. Even rich people, right, living the quote-unquote life of luxury, right? And, and you know, we may not see everything, but when they, when they pass away, all the stuff that comes to light about their lives. What, what do you want? Let me ask you this. When you die, right, we're all going to die someday. Right? <clears throat> what is going to come to light about your life? Is it, is it, wow, they did all these things for God. Look how they lived for God, and nobody ever knew it. Or, whoa, marriage was a wreck. They're, they're, they're kids living whatever. They don't like them. I mean, what's going to be written in your obituary when you die? Is it going to be something to glorify God? Because that's what, that's what matters. Or is it going to be all about what you did or didn't do? That's what really matters at the end of the day. Is pursuing this thing. Pursuing these, these riches. Think about it. I love, that's why I love it. It says, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He knew we needed it. Amen? He absolutely knew. And God decided... Here it is, lavished. I love that. I love that. I love that that verbiage here. Lavished on us. Lavished. <laughs> the, the, the most expensive mansion in the world does not compare to this. The things in this world are finite. Think about it. The biggest houses, the biggest whatever, it's finite. I mean, just just think. I just think about our life, right? This is not the first house we've lived in, for instance. Second house we, we we've owned. I mean, we've had just in the last eleven, just over eleven years now, went through about four or five different cars. In other words, what I'm trying to say is these things don't last. These things don't last in this world. It's not what matters. But God is not against richness, just like God is not against poverty either. I said, we, we need to stop making these unfair comparisons. If somebody's like this, they're evil. Or if somebody's like this, they're evil. I don't fault anybody if they are rich. I don't. Praise God for it. You know, especially when they're using it for the kingdom. I know we, we can often get very critical and judgmental of others. I think it comes from a, a heart that is filled with covetousness. I think that's where it comes from. We're jealous. We want it. How come they have it and I don't? The have and the have-nots, right? We get that way. The very same demonic spirit of communism. If you don't know that, that's where communism is birthed from. The haves and the have-nots. Oh, look. They, they're wrong. Everybody should have it all. Everybody, right? That's where communism was birthed from in the first place. Of course, it doesn't, it's never played out like that in the whole history of the world since communism was, was instituted. But I'm just making the comparison on how evil and demonic thinking like that is. Well, I'm making rush to judgment. 
Oh, look at those nice suits so-and-so wears. Look at whatever. Uh, okay, I mean, so so horrible today that uh, you can look up the income of some of these rich men of God. That You don't know. I don't know the details of how they earn their money. Could have been books, TV, could be whatever. Who are you to judge? Who am I to judge that? God doesn't judge on the outward appearance, neither should we. God doesn't judge somebody by either the amount of wealth they have or the lack of wealth they have. They're, they're meaningless to God. God judges the inward. He judges the heart of a person. You don't know every detail of that person's life, necessarily. Now, some, some we do, you know, especially hearing what they what, what they teach and stuff. Not going, we're not going here today. The thing is, you don't know, I don't know. Because look, look, the, the next sub-point under point one is that there have been people who have had nothing and have, and have had nothing to do with God. And on the same end, there have been people who have been rich and also been rich in God at the same time. Think, Proverbs 30, uh, chapter 30, verse 8 says this. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but feed me with my allotted bread. I love this. Right now, the, the the writer here. Oh, not riches or poverty. Not focused on either one. Doesn't want one or the other, right? But we, I mean, we can look through history, right? Where the Pietists, right? They they would they they think that that giving up all of life's luxuries, all riches, and living poor, putting on dirty robes and such. That was the way for righteousness. And yet, it was a very dark period in history, right? Most days, I think they refer to it as the Middle Ages, right? And yet, it was also referred to as the Dark Ages. You would think, with this institution of the Roman Catholic Church, yet it's still called the Dark Ages. And, 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 and I... I Believe that that will successfully prove my point, right? On the one hand, in, in this time period of history before the Reformation, you had you had the everyday layperson poor, right? I know there were rich people, but for the most part, people were poor. They had no part in God. Then on the other hand, you had those living high in the hog with the Vatican and such. Rich. I mean, I've been to the Vatican a couple times. I know how full of wealth it is. Yet, nothing to do with God either. The, the point I'm trying to make by this illustration is that, like I said, riches, you can have nothing to do with God. You can be poor and have nothing to do with God. On, this, on the flip side, you could be rich and be rich with God. You could be poor, yet be rich with God. It's, neither one is the point. The point is the focus. The, the point is our focus. We, we, put our, we get our focus off when we focus on things that are so temporary. Think about it. Think about it. So temporary. You honestly think to an eternal God who existed before anything, always existed, do you honestly think some form of earthly wealth even matters to God at all. Now, I know some might say, well, the Bible says this about riches and, 
And what about Solomon and and God, you know, owns the cattle on a thousand hills and so on and so forth. But what about the rest of Scripture? That's why I'm going into all these different Scriptures today. We use all of Scripture. We don't just take the bits we like and discard the rest. We don't, we don't try to, to fit Scripture into our narrative. Scripture means what it means, and it says what it says, simply put. And the focus of Scripture has always been on God. Has always been on man's relationship with God. An eternal value. An eternal value. This, this, this is, why, why do you think that the, the authors of, of Hebrews, right, calls this word living and active? Because it's eternal. It's more than just words printed on a page. It's so much more than that, this Bible. The scripture. It is the word of God. It is not simply the written word of God. It is the word of God. It is living. It's active. And when we read it without selfish intentions, and we come before a living and holy God, then this word will, will, will do its job in our lives. It will convict us. It will sharpen us. It will feed our very souls. Stop trying to be gluttonous in the world. It's only going to kill, kill you anyways, eating like that. Feed yourselves first on the word of God. And I guarantee the hunger for the things of this world will shrivel and die. You know, what comes to mind now, and I'm sure you've all heard this, to, I don't know exactly where people got this from. I'm seeing where maybe it was from a Cherokee. Who knows? I don't. But the point is that, that they say we have two in our two wolves battling within us, right? And they're like, well, which one will win? It's the one we feed. It's perfect. I mean, the Bible makes an illustration, right? The fruit of the flesh, the fruit of the spirit, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh, right? Whatever one we feed, should we choose to feed the flesh and its desires with the things of this world? Then, then it should be no surprise when the flesh wins out and people apostatize. People leave God Almighty. Well, why not? How did that happen? Because they starved their spirit. And yet there are those who are stalwart in their faith. How, how did they ever make it through such adversity and persecution? People like Richard Wormbrand and, and many others. How did they make it ever like this? Oh, simple. They, <clears throat> they fed the spirit. They value the eternal far more than the temporary. Because they value the things of God. Because of that. Because their focus was correct is why they kept pressing on. And they didn't quit. When quit looked really good. And I guarantee anybody listening today has never been put through even a tenth of what people like Richard Vermbrand have been put through. Guarantee it. So we say, well, look at these heroes of the faith. And rightly so. But why? We need a when we look at these people, we need to ask, why? 
They didn't put value on earthly riches. Point number two. Worldly riches do not profit us. And as usual, the Bible has lots to say. Amen? Think about this. Point, sub point A. We won't be able to pay God off like some corrupt judge to get out of the day of wrath. It says it here. Proverbs 11.4. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. But righteousness delivers from death. Let me tell you, <clears throat> this is not like some mafia deal, right? You know, in the days of old, when the uh, mafiosos would pay off the judges and the police, and, you know, they could, whatever heinous crime they committed, as long as they greased the right wheels with the right amount of money, they got off scot free. That's not God. He is, God is the righteous judge. Everybody gives an account to God. Everybody. And for those of you who think only on the day of judgment, whenever that time is, wrong. The day of wrath comes twice. For the unsaved, for the sinner, for the perverted, for the adulterer, the liar, the deceiver, the coward, the sexual immoral. That's right. As soon as as soon as a person beats their last heartbeat, draws that last breath, the day of wrath is there for those who are outside of the kingdom. Straight to hell. Yes, hell is a very real place. Any other belief is heresy. Yes, people go to hell. Well, how could a loving God do that? No, a loving God doesn't send anybody to hell. People who go to hell walk right in of their own volition. That's how they get there. God sent his only beloved son, amen, into the world. It says, whosoever believes will have everlasting life and not perish. Whosoever. It's everybody. If that person does. The truth is out there for everybody these days. So the people who end up in hell are those who walk in gladly. I would say many people will run into hell with joy. Ooh. Only to get there and find out, wow, it's not that great of a place after all. It's a real place. Right here. You can't pay off God. And then on that great white throne of judgment day, when it comes, we cannot pay God off for that either. We are going to give an account. The Bible tells us that. We are going to give an account for God. My question is, when, we, when you give an account to God, is, is the blood of Jesus going to speak for that instead? This wrong, that wrong. Oh, 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 wait. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. Right? Or are you going to try to, God, don't you see what I did? Well, didn't Jesus have something to say about that in Matthew 7? Right? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? And Jesus said exactly what he's going to say in that day to them. Depart from me. Get out. I don't know who you are. I never even knew who you are. I never knew that. Get out. These are the people. Think about what they, they, they didn't say to Jesus. They don't say to Jesus, right? They don't say to him, Lord, Lord. You are my Lord. You're, you redeemed me. 
No, they put all of these worldly ways of doing things and tried to present it before him, and it didn't work, did it? Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with prophesying and healing the sick. Obviously, I mean, that's commanded of us all to do in the Bible. That's not what I'm playing. The point I'm saying is when we use that as a way to prove how that Jesus is our Lord. The only, the only way to prove that Jesus is our Lord is him being our Lord. That's it. Well, what does that mean? Obedience. Obedience proves. The external will prove the internal for good or for bad. So point B, trusting in riches, we will fail. But when we trust in the Lord, well, then we flourish. It says here in Proverbs eleven twenty eight, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish as a branch. Obviously, this is talking something far deeper than being rich now and flourishing. But if we trust in the riches of this world, these very temporary, very finite things, we will guarantee fail. I don't care if you live the best life ever on this earth. If you are separated from God, guess what? You have failed. You have failed. Any moment in our life where we are not or, praise God, were not in right relationship with God, we failed. We failed. But the text says, what? To the praise, um, right? In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. That's so much more precious. I always think about the way I was before God. And you know what? To be frank, I thought I was awesome. In that time, I thought I was, I thought I knew it all. I had all the answers. Who are you to tell me what to do? Yet, I just grieves me to think about the path of destruction I left in my wake. But God redeemed me. Amen? Not of my own works that I could boast. Right? But through his grace. I mean, Paul makes that, right? He says, not of my own works that I should boast. And I say the same thing today. Not of my own works that I should boast. Works are just earthly things. Especially separated from the from, from the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it, when we can trust in him. Amen. When we could trust in that, think about that. We couldn't save ourselves. We did nothing of ourselves, but we can trust in his God now. Regardless of what comes our way. You know, should should the world economy implode? Should I believe that's coming? Because the Bible tells me. So what? So what? Because I know Jesus. Jesus knows me. And he set me free. He set me free. And anybody walking in that freedom, let me tell you what, brothers and sisters, that is the most precious thing in the world. Free from sin. Given a new heart. That's right. 
You know, I, I know that the Bible says the heart is wicked above all, but who can know it? I get it. But then the Bible also says of the same author, so Jeremiah both wrote both of these things by, by the unction of the Holy Spirit. He also wrote in prophet, I will give you a new heart. Think about that. Enough of this, this mentality of, oh, the heart is wicked above all. Now, if you're a believer, think about it, we get a new heart. We, we are old, pervert, pervert, <laughs> perverse. Our old perverse ways of thinking and doing things passed away. We're not, con we're not under the control of that anymore. Think about that. Isn't that awesome? Could you, could you do it by yourself? I mean, you can earn riches in this world. Hard work, dedication, right? That's why, that's why well, <clears throat> people who've inherited riches, per se, came about through hard work, investments, whatever else. A lot of times, <laughs> cheating, lying, stealing, back, backstabbing. But point is, work hard enough, especially in a land of opportunity in America, you can get rich. But what bearing does that have on eternity? Goose egg. Zero. Nothing. Nothing. Who do you trust in today? Let me ask as we as we close the message. Who are you trusting? Have you have you have you had a chance to truly to truly think about? Have you ever meditated on this? How finite we are and how infinite God is. How, how small of a speck that we are, how great God is. And yet, and yet, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. I mean, who are we in the sight of an eternal God? At the end of the day, nothing. Yet, he chose to love us. Us and, and, and you know, I, Wow, God, mercy, just whew. all the evil that we've done and are still doing more and more every day. It's a wonder that God hasn't wiped us out yet. It's a, it's a, it's a wonder, yet that's God, who, who wants to lavish every person with his redemption. The riches of his redemption wants to lavish. He lavished me with it. Not because I was so awesome, but because I needed it. I needed that. God was like, son, here it is. Yours for the taking. You know, I just, I feel like under the unction of the Holy Spirit, people are watching today and they've questioned things. And I'm not going to, you know, I, I, it's not a matter of me questioning your salvation or the Lord questioning your salvation today. I feel like from the Lord, though, he wants to say to you to stop questioning it. It's not that you've lost your salvation or you forfeited it or maybe you were never saved to begin with. It's just your focus needs to get right today. If you get your focus right, amen, you'll get the correct view of yourself as God sees you right. Will, will, will you do that? Are, are you willing to do that? Well, I messed up this, or I'm not sure life got hard. And Okay, well, welcome to life. In this world, you will have tribulation. 
but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus didn't say that just to make make somebody feel nice. It's the real deal. Tribulation is a real deal in this world. Let me let me tell you. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, Lord. I want, I want to make this assurance today. If you are in tribulation, you are in right standing with the Lord. You are in right standing with the Lord today. Yes, I know. Sometimes we tend to get ourselves in trouble, but that's not what I'm talking about. Talk about tribulation today of some sort. Could be demonic oppression. You're not sleeping that night. Who knows? It could, it could be. It could be physical. It could be people, right? We know that we know Jesus says this is this is normal. Right? He didn't say if people say all evil things about you, he said when they say all evil things about you, right? In other words, it's going to happen, it's normal. That's the mark of a Christian. I want to tell you today, I want to encourage you. Be of good cheer. For Jesus has overcome the world. The world's got nothing on you. Amen. It doesn't matter. I mean, think of you plus God is a majority. The Bible says so in Psalm 91. Right? Though, though a thousand may fall at my right hand and ten thousand at my side. Think about that. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot. And if they're making a the point, God Almighty is their preserver. Amen? The world says that greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. You know, I, I, I know I know scriptures like that are quoted and, and sometimes tossed out there so often that it seems they lose their efficacy, right? Like taking a certain medication. You take it often enough and your body gets used to it. Now you need more. But that's not true with the word of God. It is true. That, that same power that shaped every planet, birthed every star. That holds the very universe together resides in you. Be encouraged today. Maybe you need to refocus, then, then let's do it together, brothers and sisters. Let's do that today. I, I want you to pray this throughout the week. I want to pray, we're going to pray this now. Psalm 39, Psalm 39, verses 4 through 6. But I want you to make this. Your prayer. So obviously this, this video, wherever you're watching from, is going to stay up. So you can watch it as many times. If you, if you need to go back and fast forward to this point that's coming up, well, so be it. Of course, if you're listening to this to an audio podcast, then, then you can rewind, you can pause and write down, okay, which song did he say? Uh, we're going to come before the Lord right now, all of us. All right. Let, let, let's, let's shift the focus. Let's shift the focus today. Should be up on your screen now. Let's pray this together. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how transient I am. Indeed, you have made my days as a handbreadth and my age is as nothing before you. Indeed, every man at his best is as a breath.
Surely every man walks in a mere shadow. Surely he goes as a breath. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. Lord, make us to know today truly our end. Help us to realize how very, very, very finite we are. Lord, just just how little that we are, Lord. And we know, though, Lord, you want us to see this today because we, you want us to see how great you are, how much greater. Give us a revelation of your infinite. You're greater than. Give us that revelation today. Help us to focus on that today where our focus has been wrong and on the things of this world and the temporary pleasures and riches of this world, forgive us, Lord, to come to you in deep repentance today. And if you've done that, whatever you've done, that, I want you to be specific with the Lord. Lord, I focused on followers and subscribers and clicks. I fo focused on money. I focused on the house. Whatever it is you focused on, you tell the Lord today. Lord, bring us back to your heart. Refocus us on what matters. As the Bible commands us to be so, refocus us. <clears throat> Your Bible says, the word says, Lord, to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. May our eyes stay fixed on Jesus Christ even as the enemy tries to draw our attention away. Keep our eyes fixed, Lord. Do whatever it takes. If that takes removing riches from our life. And so be it. Let it be done according to your will, Lord. But whatever it takes, whatever it takes, that our focus may be kept on you, do it so, Lord. For you are forth far more than any earthly treasure. The largest diamond, the purest of gold is nothing compared, Lord, to the riches of your redemption. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so next Sunday, obviously, we're going to continue in the book of Ephesians, God willing. So be there. Um, I don't know exactly yet. I have a habit of saying what we're going to do. And then the Lord says, no, that's not what you're going to do. So, but we already went through, uh, let's see, chapters um, 7 through 8 today. So that means we'll go through 9 through whatever next. So. <clears throat> pray that this blessed you today. I pray that it was convicting and encouraging both at the same time. Anyway, with that, we're out today. Be blessed, everybody, on this wonderful Sunday.